Hello, and welcome to the premiere episode of What's Next, a podcast series where we take a closer look at COVID-19 recovery measures and how security professionals can best serve their businesses and organizations as they continue to adapt to the new normal. My name is Neil Sutton, editor of Canadian Security Magazine, and my guest today is Luciano Cedrone, Senior Account Executive with Logic Security. Luciano has more than 20 years of experience in professional security management, including Walmart Canada, Cadillac Fairview, and Brookfield Properties. I spoke to Luciano about COVID-19 recovery strategies, such as screening procedures, duty of care, communication plans, and the lessons we can take away from the retailers that have remained open during the pandemic. This podcast is sponsored by Logix Security. So hello, this is Neil Sutton. I'm joined today by uh, Luciano Cedrone. Uh, we figured we would get together to talk a little bit about pandemic recovery. Um, it looks like many of the provinces and uh, cities are starting to angle towards recovery mode now, uh, trying to set us back on the path to normal. So I thought I would touch base with um, Luciano just to get a sense of uh, his opinion on how that recovery might take place, uh, particularly uh, with a, a view towards commercial security, buildings, retail security, that kind of a thing. So thank you for joining us this morning, Luciano. Thank you. Good morning, Neil. Um, so one of the big questions, I guess, is as stores and buildings, uh, office facilities look towards potentially reopening in the next weeks and months, what are the major things that they should be looking at from a security perspective? Well, I think the the most obvious sort of answer is that they need to, to stay in touch with, with credible resources for their direction. They need to be taking their instructions from, you know, authorities on the subject like Public Health Canada uh, for, for some reliable direction as to what they should be doing. And then the important thing to remember is that this isn't a return to normal business. It's social distancing requirements are still going to be in effect and really understanding what that means for their line of business and how it impacts their requirements when they open is is the is where the planning starts. So for instance, they, they would have to start looking at their personal protective equipment, uh, depending on the on the nature of the, of the, the property that they're running um, and figuring out, do they have enough? How much will they need? They have to start really thinking about the implications of their planning to reopen and how it might be viewed or impact other businesses, uh, their tenants in particular. You know, there's going to be some legal impacts or, or um, influences. So, for example, you know, you're hearing about things mostly coming out of the U.S., um, but, you know, what happens in the U.S. tends to happen in Canada as well at some point. Um, but you're hearing the rumblings of, of companies prepared to, to take property owners to task if, if their businesses get infected. Um, and so you need to be really careful in how you're implementing your measures to make sure that you're not taking unnecessary exposure to the business, but at the same time protecting the people in the facility. It's not a race to reopen, and I think that that should be highlighted, um, and, and we want to get back to business and making money as quickly as possible, but it shouldn't be at the risk of, of public health and safety. And so it, you really need to remember that we should be taking things a step at a time. It's a very dynamic situation. There's a lot of unknowns out there. Um, and so your proper your your planning needs to be sort of measured, patient, but able to quickly adapt to the changing dynamics as, as they happen really from day to day, as we're seeing, you know, some properties or provinces have already talked about opening and they've seen a, a slight spike already. And so now they're start, they're already talking about, you know, taking a step back and locking down a little further for a little longer. And that's only, you know, a couple of days or, or, or a week after they've already decided to take the step down uh, the road to reopening. So it really is a lot of unknowns that, that businesses need to, to consider. Um, you know, there's talks about staged or, or staggered shifts for your office employees. Your tenants are probably thinking about that. Um, 
how are you letting people into your into your into your commercial towers? How are you letting them into your malls? Uh, you know, the days of everyone just coming in at 9 30, 10 o'clock when stores open, I think, are behind us, at least for the short term or the foreseeable future. Um, and so what does that look like going forward? Uh, we're talking about, you know, controlling traffic flows through the buildings, which has never been done before. How do you establish that with, with guarding systems or or mapping things out on the floor? There's all kinds of solutions that, that are being tabled for, for that. A lot of uh, property owners, you know, keeping people at home is still an option. There's, there, there are people who aren't required at the building from a day-to-day -day business, um, and they can, they can and probably should stay at home until, um, you know, again, government direction sort of suggests that we can start opening further and putting more people into the same space. And then again, does your plan account for purpose-driven access? And what I mean by that is, you know, if there's somebody coming to your building or your mall, and their intent is basically to just go for a walk um, or just sort of get some air, then they're probably better off doing that outside as opposed to coming in and unnecessarily exposing themselves to, to potential uh, COVID-19. So really letting people into the buildings that need to be there. What does that look like? Maybe a question set uh, when they arrive and things like that. Um, how are you going to operate your elevators? You know, they're going to be reduced capacity. You're not going to stuff 15, 20 people into an elevator. So these things should be sort of... Um, percolating in the back of, of building owners and uh, as they sort of plan for their return to, to normal. Lastly, just a couple of other points I'd like to mention is leveraging technology. You know, with us over at Logix, we're really using our, our, our technical uh, camera systems and things like that to remotely monitor temperatures or people management uh, where we can, where it makes sense, because you want to reduce the exposure for actual people having to do those types of jobs, uh, maybe remote areas of, of the buildings or parking lots that you don't need a, a guard there necessarily you know maybe you put up a camera even temporarily to cover that area and revisit that one when things get back to normal whether you're using thermal checks that in itself is raising some legal questions as well um, i was reading yesterday air canada has decided to implement thermal checks uh, for for each of their flights and then the privacy commissioner stepped or the former privacy commissioner stepped in to say that it's not necessary and they could be exposing themselves to some liability because the government isn't telling businesses that it's mandatory. So that type of, of sort of unknown is, is something that you really need to be in tune with and, and sensitive to because you don't want to go down the wrong path when you don't have to. But you got to remember that, that, that there's always that duty of care for your employees and everyone who comes onto your property. You got to make sure that they're properly trained and using the equipment properly. You, you talk about the personal protective equipment. You know, are they wearing those, those masks properly? Are they taking the gloves off properly? Is the hygiene being stepped up? Um, all those kinds of things should start coming into play. And, and ultimately, you want to start looking already sort of down the road at what full recovery looks like and having a plan for that phase two that they keep talking about, because the likelihood of that happening is probably in the, in, in, into the fall. But you don't want to sort of get caught blindsided again um, when phase two hits. You want to have those systems in play that can help sort of immediately reduce your, your people exposure on site as you start to sort of scale back in preparation for that second phase uh, so that it doesn't hit you as hard as the first phase. So I think one of the things that people are concerned about managing is if uh, if they have customers or guests that are lining up to come into their store and a guest is either test positive on um, one of the temperature screening stations that you, you suggested or uh, a frontline staff member or a guard requires somebody to wear a mask and they're not wearing a mask and they're faced with potentially rejecting a person coming into the store asking them to step aside. How can stores or uh, commercial properties mitigate against that? What are the steps they should take in order to 
safely and effectively limit access to their facility if they, they suspect somebody might be contagious or a situation like that? There's no real right answer or sort of magic solution that, that I can offer, but there are some, some good points that they should be sort of considering in those plans. And as we see, we've seen already that, you know, you're creating a situation where I don't want to say it's confrontational in the sense that, you know, you want to fight these people, but the potential for an altercation to take place is there because you're, you're basically putting people on the spot. Um, you know, there's a potential for embarrassment. There's a potential for eagles being hurt. Um, people who need to go to work because they don't have the money to pay rent. So, you know, for you, the, the possibility of, of denying them access to, to the job is, is obviously something that's very stressful for them. Um, and so you create a situation where there's a lot of tension. Um, and if the person doesn't get the answers that they want, then things can go really bad uh, really quickly. And we've seen examples, unfortunately, in the press uh, already of on the extreme side, we had a security guard, unfortunately, get shot and killed in the U.S., uh, when he asked somebody to simply wear a mask, but more locally in, in the Toronto area, you're hearing stories every day of, of uh, people who get denied access because they refuse similar sort of direction. And, you know, taking things like spitting on, on, on the guards or the person who's doing the screening or licking them and, and threatening them with, with, uh, with uh, you know, spitting on them again, that type of thing. It, it's, it's a sad sort of statement to make, but it is the reality. So, so how do we get around that? I think the first thing is, is really focusing on the communication plan and, and education. And what that means is making sure that your employees, first of all, especially the ones that are doing the screening, understand what, what they're doing and why they're doing it so that they can communicate that to the people that they're stopping um, so that there's some understanding as to why it's happening. Sure, the news is, is all over it uh, these days and, and people really need to have been under a rock to not know that this type of thing is happening, but it's just a, a customer service thing to, to ensure that people understand why they're being stopped why they're being asked these questions and why they're being asked to do certain things. And, you know, in my experience as a former police officer, nine times out of 10, when you, when you explain something to, to somebody, they, they'll, they'll, they'll oblige and they'll cooperate with you. Um, and so we're really talking about the minority that, that are going to be the problem. And so that sort of brings us to our second strategy, and that's ensuring that your strategy is sensitive to people's dignity and respect. And what I mean by that is obviously you don't want to be taking people, they're already in a stressful situation, you know, don't put them in front of a line with, you know, something like 20, 30 people standing behind them and taking their temperature and basically saying, you know, you don't qualify, you failed, and they got to walk away the, you know, the walk of shame with their tail between their legs sort of thing that, that, that a dog would do with their shame. Um, so what you want to do is sort of create a, a sense of privacy, whether it's in a, a tent or a room off to the side, you can do it off out of view, out of people's sight, and the discussion and the altercation and the assessment can take place in private. Um, and then whatever that response is, obviously, you're going to have to manage that, um, which brings you to the third point, and that is to ensure that your frontline facilitators have the, the training to deliver the, the screening, but more importantly, that they're consistent in their response. There's nothing worse than being in a line and sort of hearing or seeing things happen uh, one way with one person, and then you get the next uh, screener, you know, shift change or whatever, and all of a sudden those parameters change. And that starts to upset people, um, especially when, you know, they may be denied for for a similar reason that someone else was let through. Um, so you want to make sure that, that your facilitators of the screening process are trained and have that consistency in how they're managing the process. And then lastly, don't wing it. You know, you don't want to put a screener in the uncomfortable position of, of just saying, you know, here's your temperature uh, gauge 
um, machine, go out there and start taking temperatures. And anybody who hits this number uh, gets denied. Anybody who doesn't hit that number, you can let in. Um, you're just setting them up for failure. You're setting them up for confrontation. Put a plan in place. Make sure they understand what their options are and ensure that you've got an escalation plan in place. In my experience, in my opinion, would be don't put the security guard or the screener sort of at the pointy tip of the sword, having to deny people and then manage the ones that are problematic. Those people who are problematic, there should be an escalation plan in place to deal with those people separately so that first of all, they're not holding up the line. You take them out, sort of like a secondary inspection at the airport, and they get referred to either a manager or somebody in senior management, um, somebody with the authority and sort of the weight to, to better manage the issue while the line continues to move on uh, without them. And hopefully that's enough to sort of get to reason with them and get them to understand that, uh, you know, it's in their best interests and the interests of everyone else that, uh, you know, because they failed the screening process, that maybe they should go home um, and uh, and take a couple of days and, and sort of reassess uh, when they're feeling better. And that, that all goes back to your planning, right? Like if the guy's been out for a run, obviously he's going to be heated or she'll be heated. Tell him to go take a rest, to have a coffee, come back in 30 minutes and retest. So those types of things should all be sort of considered and part of your planning to make sure that, that uh, you know, the, the risks of having people who get denied uh, become a problem. There, there's a solution that allows them to walk away uh, with some grace and uh, come back another day when they're feeling better. So we've seen stores that have stayed open for the duration of the pandemic, more or less, mostly uh, large chain grocery stores and other stores that sell groceries and, and necessary essentials for day to day. Uh, I think we've all seen them adapt from what started out over the weeks and months to where we are now uh, with you know social distancing policies and uh, lines and arrows on the floor to indicate where people should stand and screens around cashiers and things like that, just to promote safety generally for, for staff and for for customers. What are the, the lessons that you think we've learned in this couple of months since this has been going on? And, and how can we apply those now that potentially more stores and more facilities are, are going to be opening up soon? Well, I think the uh, the big lesson is to be prepared. There's been talk of, uh, of the pandemic or this type of pandemic coming for years. And unfortunately, it's been, uh, I think it's been shown that governments and businesses weren't prepared despite all those warnings. And so, you know, now that we've experienced one, I think that that excuse should should be out the door. You really do have to have a plan. And so now that we're getting ready to reopen, you know, you should have a plan, a phase plan, a stage plan to get to that to that level. Having said that, that, that plan needs to be flexible and responsive. This is a dynamic and uncertain pandemic, right? We don't know what is and what isn't working. We have some ideas and, and there's some trends and there's, there's some suggestions, but they can change very quickly. And, you know, we talk about Ontario, Premier Ford announcing a return, a stage return to opening just uh, last week. And already there's talk about sort of taking the foot off the gas pedal a little because, you know, there's, we've seen numbers go up again. Um, and so they, they got to take a step back, reassess and see if it still makes sense. And so your plan uh, part of being prepared is is planning to to adapt quickly to those changing conditions, um, making sure you've got the supplies on hand, obviously, and being stocked ahead of time. Uh, I think we've we've all heard enough of the the uh, the concerns about the uh, PPE equipment being in short supply, and so maybe revisiting that, making sure that there's a stock on hand, um, is something that that most businesses are probably going to make part of their business uh, continuity plans. Uh, part of that going forward will will definitely be included. I think it's also important for businesses to track what they're doing to understand if it's working or not. You know, if, if you're screening people and you're still seeing infections in, in the workplace, then obviously there's a problem with your screening process. 
and so that's important to understand if, if, your, if your means and your measures are being effective. Um, it allows you to identify you know, where you're failing or where there's gaps and so that you can react and close those gaps with, with alternate measures or, or, or more enhanced measures. Another point would be to leverage that technology again. I go back to sort of what we've been talking about with clients, and that is using uh, technology to, to minimize the exposure of people in, in key areas of the business. So if you've got a high-risk area that, that really doesn't have uh, a lot of people walking through it, you really need a guard there to, to watch it, put a camera there and, and remotely monitor it. Um, there's there's, there's, there's a, uh, systems and programs that, that, that can be developed to, to allow you to watch uh, places or monitor areas, keep them secure, have a response plan in play, um, but not requiring uh, a person, a physical presence of people to be there. Um, and so it reduces the potential for, for exposure because you have less people on site. And then lastly, I think is, is communication. And communication is can't be overplayed. I think it's important in everything we do, um, and, and especially so during a pandemic when, when people are fearful, people really don't understand what's going on. Um, they're getting a lot of information online. A lot of stuff is, is not is not accurate, it's not real, it's not factual. Um, and so I think it's incumbent on, on the business owners and property owners to communicate to people in a clear way, um, you know, timely information that is accurate, that is comes from credentials, uh, credible sources, um, and that way they can effectively sort of manage the situation. If people know why things are being done and you're giving them the information to understand that, then they're far more likely to cooperate and sort of help you manage the process versus fighting you on things because they don't think or they don't see the reason why you're doing something and because it's inconvenient to them they don't want to do it so communication is critical uh, in everything we do but more so during the pandemic because i say people are fearful and i think it's part of our job to make them feel safe to let them know that we're doing the right things to, to keep them safe um, and that we need their help in accomplishing that so thanks very much luciano for your answers that's some great insight into the situation currently Thank you very much for joining us today. I know we appreciate uh, all your insight and all your thoughts on the matter. Obviously, we're, we're learning as we go and uh, the situation is evolving, but uh, we're all doing what we can to be safe and healthy um, and manage this process as best we can. So we appreciate your advice today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak with you this morning, Neil. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for What's Next, a podcast series where we take a closer look at COVID-19 recovery measures. This episode was sponsored by Logix Security, helping clients return to business safely. You can find more security-themed podcasts at canadiansecuritymac.com. I'm Neil Sutton. Thanks for listening.